You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and a welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah@gmail.com, and I will get through as many as I could. You know, there's a lot of stereotypes out there, and unfortunately, most stereotypes are pretty negative. And again, we all know if the news has an agenda... It's hard to get the real story, or at least the other side of the story, out there. And as many of you know, I have the opportunity to meet people from all walks of life. I bring them through the school that, I, that I'm involved in all the time. And where I'm coming from, as an Orthodox Jew, um, what the, like almost the number one stereotype I have to deal with revolves around education. But that, here in Detroit, pales in comparison to what's happening in New York, certainly the Hasidic schools. And I just read this morning in the news in Montreal, again, issues with all kinds of schools, and they want to make laws and stuff. So today, we're going to work on some of those stereotypes. Our guest today is Bailo Wertheimer, a Hasidic woman who grew up in Muncie, has started her own successful business, and can give us the real scoop. Chief sharpshooter at the Slingshot Guys, Bailo, how are you today? Good, wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you so much for coming on. So I always start with my guests with my first important question for all our listeners. Who is Bailu? Oh, <laughs> that's, that's a question that could be understood on very many levels. So um, I think really the, the basic answer of it is that I am a Jewish woman who very much tries to do what's right, you know, what God expects of me and wants of me in each situation. And, you know, that could take a lot of different forms, (laughs) depending on the situation. Yes, it could. That's a great answer. I just always start with that question because it it just gives us a feeling of of who we are. It gets us talking, gets having a conversation. And um, so just a quick picture um, of your family, a little background, if you could. For sure, yeah. So um, I'm the blessed mother of four children. Um, and I have, I started my career after, after graduating the local Hasidic school. Um, I started teaching in the same school, uh, for quite a few years. I did that. And then, you know, when we wanted really to bring in more money and support our growing family, uh, we started doing a lot in the creative field. Uh, we first started off in, uh, we were working with local schools on their drama and their productions, and then we graduated from there to corporate um, corporate video production. So it kind of took that skill set. And with that as the uh, money base, <laughs> we are raising our growing family, like I said, and uh, hoping to, you know, to see them grow up. And, uh, yes, do what we, what we want them to do. That's basically the, the snapshot. <laughs> okay. Snapshot, video. Snapshot is very old-fashioned. But anyways, in any case. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So, again, so as, as I started out, you, um, you are a chesidisha lady or Hasidic, as probably they write it in the newspaper. Right. 
And again, I, I, I do want to discuss or break certain stereotypes. And I can assure you that many people, and I'm sure you've heard it, think that women in chesidish homes must stay home and take care of the children. They must be the mothers. They, uh, they can't get out there, but you own a successful company yourself. So let's talk about that first stereotype. For sure. So um, I'm a very big believer that stereotypes um, don't come out of thin air, <laughs> okay? But what could happen is that they're misunderstood. So instead of people looking at a specific group or a specific community and saying, why do they act the way they do, which, which is the stereotype, right? So let's say in our example, we're saying, instead of saying, why do most Hasidic women stay home with their kids, it's going to be like, oh, they're not allowed to, or that's so old-fashioned, right? So instead of being curious and appreciative, we use it as, um, as a divider between us. So the facts of most stereotypes are probably true. Like, they're not, they're not sucked out of thin air, right? But right. sometimes there's, there's more to it. So knowing from that, uh, that I live in this community, and, and I have friends, and the majority of the people that I do know are stay-at-home moms to growing families, the real answer is that most women and girls, they choose it like that. That's their dream. That's their wish. So I think that the, the truth is that it's not that we're not allowed to work, which is obviously not true, but it's more that the atmosphere and the education is based on that you're allowed to celebrate your mommy years. You're allowed to love your kids so much that all you want to do is stay home with them. It's not something that minimizes your value as a human being, just the opposite. It's the greatest thing that a person could do is give life and love to another human being. And that's a very big part of the of the community and of the whole approach. So when you look at it, yes, most women do choose to be home and raise their kids at least for the you know the twenty years that they're having young kids at home. And then many of those women take those multitasking skills, you know, and people skills that they learned in those twenty years, and they might just choose to go out to work after. But for the majority, they celebrate their their child rearing years. They really do. Yes, I hope it's the opposite of of the culture that we live in, where you you must, which we're going to talk about. You must go to college, and and you must have a career, and we'll think about children later, and we don't have to worry about children, and we worry about ourselves. Is it a is are they teaching the 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 children in these schools um, the importance of being a mother? That it's I don't want to say. I mean, I do want to say the word. Is it selfish of people to say they don't want children and they would rather be out there in the world, or how do you look at that? Um, I hesitate to use selfish. I think things come down to how you're raised. For someone who wasn't raised with kids, um, you know, with many siblings, and I'm one of 13, the oldest. So <laughs> to me, that's, <laughs> I grew up with that, and that was like all I wanted ever to be was, was a mommy, right? Um, but I think to someone who grows up maybe as an only child or, or are very spread apart in years from their siblings, it could be very intimidating. You know, children are demanding <laughs> they really are and um I, I would hesitate to use the word selfish just because um uh, if you're raised that way as like again as an only child or with quite a few children it, it really is going against your nature to give so much of yourself but i think that as a value when i'm raising my own children when other people are raising their own children i think that 
You know, I like to phrase it this way. If someone would find a cure for cancer, they'd be a hero. Why? Because they're giving life to other people. So why is being a mother different? Right? You're not only curing, you're literally, you're bringing people into the world and you're giving them life. And, and then you're, you're making them comfortable. Every single nonprofit, whatever they're out there doing, a mother in her house does. And, and that's the attitude that I would promote. And my wife says it all the time. Um, and... I also have a large family. I joked with some friends recently that uh, the house is so quiet because there's only four children left around in the house because some are in Eritrea and some are married. And, and they look at me and they say, there's only four in the house and it's quiet? Like, they have two children in the home and they can't figure out what to do with themselves. So right. it is how we're brought up and, and, it, and there's no question that it's going to be coming from the mother's um, enjoyment, appreciation of wanting that family and running that family is what, is what for people who don't know, what makes it just so beautiful. Um, and, yeah, I, I think it's, it's, it's less about saying maybe people are selfish and more about spreading the awareness, really. Right, but if they never touched it, I mean, we'll bring people to the house sometimes, and they'll sit there and they'll just watch the noise and what's going on, and they can't figure out why all the children actually have matching socks and they're all dressed properly and they're all sitting. So they are sitting, they're not sitting, and the conversations. And it's a, it's it's a beautiful thing. It's amazing for those who have touched it, and certainly one of the things that the, the children are taught in these schools is the importance of family. Does it mean that they teach in school that the girls, or boys for that matter, can't go to work? Absolutely not. No. It's just like, what do we celebrate and what is a necessity? Right? So we celebrate being a parent and giving life and love, like everything we said. And then if it's necessary to work, and necessary could be money-wise, and it could be, you know, somebody that has just so much energy, that, that's also maybe a necessity, Right. So if it's necessary, then it's okay, right? And right within the right environment and everything else around it. But it's a matter of priority. So priority is raising a family. A priority is bringing life to the world. And then the secondary responsibility is work if it's necessary. Yeah, because I, I wonder sometimes if if people feel it's so important. Um, we could take this in two ways. People think it's so important to go to work because they've created all these expenses. They must go on vacations, and they, they must have a certain type of home, and they must have a certain type of car, and they must live, live a certain lifestyle. And if a person wants to be a mother, a full-time mother, then you're going to have to give somewhere. Right, right. I, I think that in terms of what we were talking about before, if it's selfish... Um, I think the, the the translation of selfish that I would use really is that you can't have everything at the same time. So it's like if, if I'm going to dedicate 10 or 20 years to raise kids, those 10 or 20 years I won't be like, right, uh, uh, like a lady cruising around the world. Right? It's, it's choices, really. So that's what it comes down to. And they could say, I'll try to do everything halfway or I choose to do just a few things and and do that all the way. Okay, good. So, so that, yeah. That, okay, got it. So now we have to get into what's really important. Certainly, it's been in the news for a while already. I saw it this morning in Montreal. It's the same, the, the exact same stories that there's people out there and they're trying to have the states like New York 
or like in Montreal where they want the state to enforce that these children are not coming out with the math skills, with the reading skills, um, but you yourself, so this is what I really want to get into. Um, you yourself obviously went through such a school system. You obviously have your own uh, business. So first, can you tell us, um, do you feel that these schools, the Hasidic schools, the Hasidic schools, um, are they lacking in education or do they just have a different focus in education that people are missing? So absolutely the second the second choice. Um, especially in terms of the actual claims, right? So um, if we get down to the actual claims that that, that it's sort of, quote-unquote, abusing the children, right, because they don't have a future based on the education they're getting, that is absolutely false. All these schools are graduating children who have all the skills necessary for every single job that they could imagine getting, right? Okay, so they, they can go into maybe... Uh, spacecraft, right? But nobody can. So anything that doesn't require specialized training, anyone graduating from Hasidic schools makes the grade perfectly. So when you right? say skill, I'm going to just back you yeah. up. When you say they're getting all the skills, what do you mean that they're getting all the skills they need? Explain that. Sure. So I, um, I'm saying in terms of the workforce or community living, right? They're able to um, run school boards, right? They could be political members of political parties. They could take any entry-level job, which any other graduate from any other school would technically be able to take. So as long as you're placing that equivalent of, in other words, what's the bar? Is the bar that they could graduate, take a paying job and support a family, be members of community boards? Yes, they could do all of that. Can they do? Right. Can they do more than that? Are they going to be stuck at what we would consider low-level or entry-level paying jobs, or can they, or can they move past that? So they could move past that, just like any employee could move past that, right? Anyone who really starts at a position out of school, right? So some people choose to take a three-year hike in, you know, in India <laughs> after school, right? I'm saying in terms of graduation, taking your first job. Um, that that is perfectly equivalent, right? So I I can't see any other school system saying you know our graduates are more capable of taking entry level jobs than yours are. And then the natural way of what I've seen, at least in the corporate world, is you start entry, and then slowly at, with your performance you move up. So when when you track that, there's there's no base to really say that the schools aren't doing their job, which is preparing their students so when they graduate, they could take the next step. Um, and if anyone wants to specialize, if they want to be a lawyer, even if they want to be a real estate agent, there are obviously going to be specialized courses and licenses that they need to take, just like any, any graduate, right, would need to go on and specialize in whatever they want to specialize. Yeah, I was actually looking yeah. last night. I couldn't find it, but I heard a story many years ago. I believe it was a, a family that was taking the father to court because, uh, or maybe it, was, it may have even been a president. I can't remember the exact story, but the gist of the story went that uh, this person was basically on trial, and he was a very, very wealthy man, uh, but it seemed he wasn't, like, encyclopedic as far as knowledge goes. So the judge turned to him and said, I don't understand. If you want to get information and you don't have this information, what, what do you do? So the wealthy man said, you know, I have this button on my desk. And when I want to know encyclopedic knowledge of what's out there in the world, I push the button and I bring in my encyclopedia person. Nowadays it would be Google. 
And he, and he gives me the answer that I want to know. But as far as running the business, the creativity, what it takes to run a business, that's where I excel. It is true that you can open up an encyclopedia and I'm going to miss a lot of stuff. But that stuff is not important for my life. Exactly. That nails my point. So, yeah, that's, you know, the t- technical information is very, I'm not going to say easy, you know, some courses are bitterly hard, right? But it's very doable. It's, it's not something that you need to prep 12 years for in terms of, of school. Right. So, yeah. So that's basically what I was getting at, that when we graduate, when our children graduate, we're equipped to handle life. Are there specialized skill sets or specific ideas that, you know, need to be added on top of that education? Yeah, just like any doctor or, or lawyer or, or real estate broker, right? There's going to be specialized information that you need per per job and per position. So then you have the, – they have the skills to go ahead and get that information. And I so, think you I think you told yeah. me we were having it when we spoke a couple weeks ago. Um, you said something really very interesting, and that was when people go online – uh, and they take courses. So the first part of every single course um, is, um, yeah. I, I believe you told us, people skills. And Correct. you said yeah. that, that, that the, the children going through these educational systems get to skip a bunch of chapters. What was that all about? Yeah, <laughs> sure. So um, I'll tell you what sparked that idea, because I was reading uh, EQ, um, which it's a very popular book. Uh, it just goes through, um, uh, instead of like there's IQ, the, like the intelligence, that measures the intelligence, so there's EQ that it measures the emotional intelligence of a person. So that entire book, is, it made waves when it came out. And there's an online test, and there's like a whole bunch of chapters that you could go through and improve your people skills. And then they have uh, an entire introduction which proves that people skills and or or emotional skills um, are really the base of successful people. Like intelligent people only make up a tiny percentage of the successful people out there, and emotionally intelligent people make up the vast majority of successful people. So I was so excited to see what was in this book. Like for sure I was going to discover some groundbreaking right information, and it's a great book. I highly recommend it. But what hit me was like, hey, I spent 12 years in school, and the majority of my teaching classes when I was a teacher in the system, I spent teaching this like every single chapter, listening skills, um, putting yourselves into another person's shoes, thinking before you act, preparing before a situation, all of these, that was the base foundation of everything we learned. Like even when we learned text, it was only to discover the emotional skills, the life skills, the midos, right? That's what we call them, the, the measurements of how to approach different situations. So that was really what I was thinking, like, you know, so this is, according to science, and, and you know, with approvals of, of all the leading newspapers who wrote reports on this book, this is the vast majority, the, the, the basis of the vast majority of successful people. This is what they run on. It's not the intelligence, it's not the history, and it's not the geography that they learned. So that was that was mind bo- mind boggling to me, to, right? To really read that in print. Um, so yeah, I know the basic of uh, basis of any sales course, the basis of any um, even even in cre- creativity and marketing, which is you know where I work. But um, the the base of it is understanding another person, putting yourself in another person's shoes, imagining what another person is going through, and and that is what our children are taught. So the real question becomes that if all these children, if they choose, 
um, can go out into the workforce. They can be successful. They can be whatever they want to be. They can the extra skills they need. They can go online, and Mr. Google will tell them everything they need to know or didn't want to yeah. know. So, yeah. so, uh, so, like this morning story that I was reading from Montreal. Did you have the, these groups of people that are out there fighting to to say we have to enforce certain amounts of hours of study of uh, of whatever they want them to learn? Um, why are we not communicating um, that our children are getting the best education that they could get to be in the world? Um, it's a little different than the style you're used to in your public school systems where you must grade out in math this way, and you must grade out in English this way, and you must grade out in science this way. Why, why are we not communicating um, that we're giving the children the skills that they need to be successful? Why, why is that not happening? Um, it's, it's a hard question. Really, I, I think it, it, it's almost like, um, you know, the opposing party will always be more vocal. Like, <laughs> if I may, you see that in politics, right? Sure. Not, uh, not opposing is maybe not the good word. It's more like the progressive, okay? The people that want to push something that has not been happening until now, those are the people who need to come out and be vocal. The people who are happy, they don't make noise. <laughs> Right? Somebody's just happy with their education. They're happy with how their children are being educated. They don't have any drive or any incentive to raise money um, until they're being attacked. But um, until they're not being attacked, why should they spend time, money, build websites, uh, do videos about their cause? Like, they're happy. They, it's, it, we're, no, we're, we're, not a, we're not a community that's seeking converts. Right? We just live our life. So um, so there's really not any reason to come out and be vocal until you're attacked. So, and, then, and then when, unfortunately, you are attacked, then, you know, you, you just you need to find the right people to come out, the right venues, the right support, the right uh, financial support to do that. So And, again, I haven't been following the news lately in New York. I just uh, I know I would get from... Who was it? Maybe the OU, maybe the Aguda. Someone was always sending me about making phone calls, but I'm out here in Detroit. Um, okay. Are, are we making headway that there's, there, could, there could be more than one way to educate our children? So again, I, I, yeah, just explain that, explain that um, well, in more detail. Yeah, what I, what I mean is that I, I find it fascinating that they always come up with these... Uh, I don't know if you want to call them surveys. They check how our children, meaning American children, are doing versus the rest of the year educationally. And America is usually somewhere okay. in the middle, certainly not towards the top. And they keep trying different ideas, and each president has to come up with his plan of how we're going to make our children the best educated. Maybe we're missing the boat on what's called a good education. Now it's perhaps, or more than perhaps, there's really more than one way to educate. You can have your public school education, which decides that uh, all that knowledge is what's most important. Um, the other schools can say, we want to teach our children skill-based. We want to teach them how to live in the world and how to be successful in the world. Um, so are we, are, are, are we able or are we showing people there's two ways to go about it and we're successful and you should be copying us is really what I was going at. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I wish there was, I definitely believe that. I wish there was more, there, there, there was a more vocal, um, you know, outpouring maybe of that sentiment. Um, how do you see that happening? Like, what's your, what's your vision of the perfect world? Oh, my vision? 
Yeah. <laughs> My vision of the perfect world is everybody lets everybody live and everybody's happy. And as long as, as, as you're putting food on the table and I'm putting food on the table, we'll all be happy. We'll all be at peace. Live. Let live. I, 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 you know, Correct. Yeah. I, instead I, I'm of, with you. <laughs> yeah. And I was, we have so many people telling us so many. Okay. I don't get into politics too much, but, but there's too many people that are trying to tell me what's best for me and almost going full circle where if we're, if we're celebrating that mothers can raise their children and the mothers and family and our family system can tell people this is a good way to live instead of a whole bunch of people who couldn't be mothers or who don't want to be mothers and they're, they're trying to throw everybody out into the workforce and now there's no parents at home and so therefore government becomes who's left to, uh, to tell us how to raise our children or what's best for our children. Um, what's wrong with parents being the best ones to tell their children what's the best way to be raised? Right, right. So in general, there's, there's a lack of uh, confidence, maybe you want to call it, um, in just looking into yourself and listening to yourself and finding the path that's right for you across all spectrum, right? Political, religious, uh, educational, recreational, health-wise, <laughs> across every single factor that, you know, that we have to take in all the decisions that we make. Um, there's, there's a lot of instruction out there, and there's very little um, confidence-giving that, you know, and, and that's another thing that I feel should be part of the educational system very much, just encouraging people that you have all the solutions, maybe not all, but you have a vast amount of solutions within you, right? And, and you can tune into yourself and you can decide for yourself what works for you and, and for your dependent children. And then beyond that, celebrate who you are, celebrate who other people are. Hey, so I know... I know there's yeah. a word I cheated on. I, I didn't really use it because I know you don't like the word, but I figure I'll bring it up now anyways. Um, okay. You don't like the word a career woman. Right. <laughs> I strongly, I, I don't like the word career at all. Okay, why don't um, you like that word? Right, because it's been very much abused as a status symbol when all it really should mean is a technical aspect of what you do to bring in an income. <laughs> and career has has taken on a meaning of, um, you know, how much are you worth? And I think that's where the big confusion of being a mother or even a father versus, uh, you know, bringing in an income took a big nosedive, right? Because career became, what are you worth? What's your value? And if you didn't have a high-powered career but still managed to provide for your family, you're you're worthless. And that's almost why whenever I start with an interview, I always ask who the person is. Because there's so many people out there that, that that's what they believe. They believe their career is who they are. And their career is not who they are. Their career is just how they make money. But who sure. they are, family, how they raise their children, what, what message do they want to give their children? If the only message is that you have to make money and that's what life is all about, that, well, that's not the world that, I, that I'm looking to live in, if you asked me about my perfect world before. Right. Correct. So, so I think that's really what it comes down to, is that when, when you evaluate people by their career or, uh, uh, you know, on the same tone, you could, you could include diploma, right, or which university you attended. Like, is it really a value factor in your life? Did you really learn anything that's 
that's valuable to you as a person, right? And then again, like um, I excluded the technical skills needed for a specific job. But a lot, a lot of what is happening in university is culture, status, right? And, and, and less of actually learning specific skills for a specific uh, job. Um, and that's where education and myself and people in my community like myself, that's where it takes a big split. So we believe education should be about living a successful life, being able to do jobs that support your family and that feel good to you and feel valuable to you, and less about, you know, how many, what's your diploma, where did you get it from, and how many courses did you graduate just for, you know, just for the sense of value that it gives you. Okay, so as my my time is flying by, um, I did want to touch on just a few more things. Um, could you tell us? Um, you told you you touched on it. Um, what is your business that you're involved in? Yeah, sure. <laughs> so it's video commercials um, for, and they're generally used for social media, websites, um, or outbound creative campaigns. So that would be uh, paid promotional campaigns on Facebook or Instagram, any of the YouTube, you know, any of the promoted um, campaigns. So basically we stage, you know, stage the commercial, uh, we put it together. And like I said, my background, we started off really in in drama and in stage plays. So we work with the actors, costume set, you know, whatever is needed. And then um, we help map out the strategy. And in other words, we try to help make People make money, and do we make money off that? <laughs> uh, amazing. Now, here's a curious question. It's like, you know, I'm sitting here in this studio, and there's four or five people behind the glass, and plus people, the IT people, I can assure you, I don't know how to press any buttons back there. I have no idea how they make all the connections. I don't know what they do. I look at all the screens and stuff, and they know when to put here and what to put there. Um, but I'm the one sitting in the seat over here. They're all, and they're great. I got the best group behind me. Um, are you a technical person, or you are just the person who knows what the vision is and how to get it done? Exactly. I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm terrible with technicals. <laughs> um, I, I don't even touch a camera. No, my, my, my skill set is in writing a story and then staging the story. So I know exactly every, you know, twitch of the mouth, when I want it to happen and why I want it to happen at that point. And then I'll work. That's my job. And then I just let the camera work, you know, do their job. Yeah, and that <laughs> really... I'm bad at it. <laughs> no, but that really becomes the, the, the point of it. Um, and that's... There are people out there, interesting enough, and Michael Medved's very into it, that college is not for everybody. College, yeah, is going to give people a lot of very specific skills, but it may not be giving, in other words, the guy or girl who graduated college is knocking on your door and saying, oh, I'm very good at, I don't know, computers, video, this, that, the other thing. Can you give me a job? Which, I, I, which I think is, <laughs> and there's too many people that lose focus that I do not need all, I don't need to know how to do everything. I just need to know what I want to do, how to get it done. There's my vision, and I move on. A hundred percent, yeah. So what's interesting is that I grew up in Satmar, which that's the specific, you know, Hasidic community that I belong to. And that's exactly what the rabbi said. That's what he promoted. He said, like, I want to give you smarts. I want to give you vision. I want to give you dreams and enough, you know, skills, social skills, people skills. 
So you, you're able to attract the talent that you need. That's specifically what he told his people. Go out, build businesses, you know, build health centers, and go hire the doctors <laughs> who don't have to be the doctor. <laughs> so so that's, that definitely is the vision, and that's, that's what's promoted very much. Right, it's amazing. And by the way, for those who don't realize, my parents both – well, my father's not alive, but they were they were college grads. My father's a pharmacist. My mother's a bookkeeper. Wonderful people, but they were working for somebody else. And I remember sitting around yeah. the table a lot of times. You know, they were trying to understand why you know some people are so successful, and and the conversation always ended. You know, there are people that are that, that you can use the word career if you'd like. Um, they have their skill set, and that's as far as it goes. But that, those are not the people that are actually creating wealth. Those are not the people supporting schools, supporting uh, different charitable organizations. It's all those people that without all the schooling that uh, to know all the math and all, you know, my kids come home now with all this math stuff. I can't even do the equations anymore. I say, help. Yeah. So I say, ask your sister. She knows what to do. Ask your brother. I, I did this a long time ago. But yeah, but yeah I, I mean, I think that's the point we wanted to bring out. For sure, yeah. So it's it's a foundation of yeah tolerance and appreciating people with different skills, a different mindset, and working together to make a better world and a happier world, and not having to attack people that are that are different than you, make different choices. Yeah, just to break one more stereotype, um, and I did ask you this. So you started your company. Um, what does your husband do? Yeah, he works with me. <laughs> that was well said. So, <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm I'm the creative one and I'm the uh, entrepreneur, if you want to call it. I, I take risks, but the first few risks that I took did not end well, <laughs> and uh, and that's when he came in. I mean, the creativity part was wonderful, but the finances were not. So then he came in to be like the CEO, the COO. Um, you know, he does the finances. He makes sure we stick to a schedule, and that you know that end of it is is taken care of. So, yeah. <laughs> and I just wanted to just hit another stereotype that, no, it's the husband's working and the wife is doing whatever. It's In your case, obviously, it's it's to a certain extent, it's the opposite. And um, and how is that working with both of you running this company or it's your company and he's and he's your COO or CFO? Um, so I'm, I'm in public, I'm just going to say it's wonderful. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, it is. But um, I, I think it comes back that to appreciating different strengths. You know, when, when you know that you're not a success, you're only a half, you know, you're only half of the successful equation that makes room for people to get along and to listen. And then even if you could argue on specific points, and have different visions, you're able to uh, let the other person have their way or or honorably argue it out. And even if you win the argument, right, and you prove your point, you know, there's no bad feelings because you're both in it for the success of a bigger vision. Well and not said. you versus I. Yes, yeah. well said. So I'm going to leave you with two things. Number one is if people would like to get in touch with Bailu to learn about how she does her or to use your services, please tell us how people can get in touch with you. And if there's a message you'd like to leave us with, I'll, I can give you 30 seconds to leave us with a message. Sure. So my message is tolerate people, love people, create happiness in the world. And I'm available for any type of questions by Lou, B-Y-L-U, at theslingshotguys.com. T-H-E-S-L-I-N-G-S-H-O-T-G-U-I-S dot com. 
Perfect. And that was a great, you didn't even take the whole 30 seconds. That was amazing. Most people take two minutes of my 30 seconds. Bailu, well, thank you. And videos so- that need to be 29 seconds. Right, right, right. <laughs> there you have it. Bailu, this was so much fun. It was hopefully, there's a lot of people that at least I've given them something to think about. You've given them something to think about. That everything is not black and white just because people say so. And you got to really investigate. You got to really look into it. So I thank you again. Have a great Chavez. And I appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been a really fun conversation. Okay, good. Be well. All the best. Chavez, be well. Chavez. Okay, lots of, as always, with the people we interview, lots of not only great information, but really important information. I, I, I hope you listen to this a couple times because there's a lot of stereotypes. And again, and Byla said right away at the beginning, she's right. Stereotypes are not wrong. There's a reason why people say what they say about different uh, cultures. The only question is, can you say why? Can you be curious to say why are they that way? Is there something to it instead of automatically assuming that, well, the way I'm doing it must be correct because anybody else is, uh, is going against what I actually believe in? Uh, my letter of the week, if I have time, my letter is up. It is the biggest letter in the Hebrew alphabet. It is called a Lamed. It's, uh, it's tall. It's certainly taller than all the other letters. Um, I actually teach my children in school that the Lamed has that L sound, like a looker. It's, the top is much taller. Um, that's just something to help people out when they're, when they're looking at it. It's, uh, it's the, its numerical value is 30. And my word is Lamed. Lamed means to learn or to teach. And the focus of what I wanted to accomplish today was to talk about education, to talk about teaching. And education is not just knowing one plus one is two, or C-A-T spells cat, or or the equations, or the science. I'm not saying it's not important. You have to know math. You should know how to read. And they do know how to read. They do know how to write. Reading, writing, arithmetic, right? The three R's. We all know about it. But you got to know it's important and you got to know the skill sets that people, children need. And that's also part of the education. And it should be part of our education. And we should appreciate and glorify the different uh, skills that people have, what they do. And here comes my music. So thank you, my wonderful sponsor. Listen, you know, I couldn't do without you. Thank you, my wonderful production team. Big team today. Kelsey, Angel, Stephen, Cole, Andy. I hope I've left you some food for thought. Until next week, I am Rabbi Tweet Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah and NRM Streamcast. And until next week, don't forget to think about it.